0: On Day, who <laughs> that program? I shall be.
1: I'm
0: yeah. <laughs> great. I'm happy to be home. Thanks so much for inviting me, Mary Jo. I know you're not supposed to mess with the higher powers' Plan because when she invited me right away, I said I don't think I should come because I've been invited to Burlington in February, and if people are there. They'll have to hear me twice. And she said, oh, don't worry. It's okay. People go to Burlington. They won't come to uh, Cedar Rapids. Well, she was right because the higher power sent this terrific snowstorm. And uh, we didn't even know if we had almond speakers there. Unfortunately, I got there a day early and so I was there. And uh, my AA friends were there. My Al-Anon friends were still deciding whether they should come or not. And kind of waiting <laughs> to see what would happen. Did that sound familiar or what? <laughs> but then I got there after the excitement happened and I still saw them and I said, well, I higher power has saved you again. <laughs> I first came to Al-Anon in theater office in uh, November. November 17, 1981. I took one look at you. I thought I was younger, slicker, and you were very old and very dull. and where you met was not very cool. (laughs) And besides, I made the mistake of going home and telling my husband that I had done this in our best interest. And he said simply, very clearly, "Count me out. Well, I didn't want to rock the boat, and I didn't have any guts. And so that was it. I put pamphlets in the book in the bottom file cabinet, and I didn't go back. I took care of it myself. And uh, four years later, I came back. The place you were meeting meeting was really pretty cool. You were pretty interesting, and you were smiling, and your life was better than mine. And uh, I stayed, thank heavens. And that was April of 1985. Uh, I was here in Cedar Rapids until '93, and I moved to Texas. I spent three years there in Allenhan. If I had lived there much longer, I would probably introduce myself something like this. Ha! I'm Pete Thanks to this program, strong sponsorship, and the steps and the fellowship of Al-Anon, I have not found a necessary to use my tongue a political weapon since April 7th, 1985 and for that I I love Mr. Henry. I thought that was pretty
1: unique.
0: <laughs> uh, I think when they say the spaghetti bread in Texas, they say it very slowly and I think that's because it's hot.
1: And... A friend of mine, I,
0: it was so slow that I flowed down there, and my friend said, I don't like to stand next to you and we say this Trinity Prayer because you kind of turned it into a narrative, it sounds like. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you're putting all this expression in it and stuff, and I said, well, after you're something, I'm going to fall asleep.
1: <laughs> but Alamone and Alanon,
0: in Texas, and was wonderful, and uh, the only thing other than that and uh, the announcements, was that uh, when meetings closed, they would say, does anyone have a burning desire? And I, I did. <laughs> I always thought it was the heat down there. And down there, you want to care. Uh But al anon was terrific there. And suddenly I moved to Reno, and Reno Al-Nun is great there. Um, I don't think there's a the spirit of cooperation between al and AA. In fact, we just had our assembly in September. And this is my second assembly in Nevada, and there is no al speaker. And the A's have the banquet at night, and the al get up, and they leave, and they glock to have their own meeting. Well, the first year I did that, I thought that was pretty rude that we were there, so I stayed hear the speaker. Uh, this year, I went to the al I bowed to the pressure. I went to the al meeting. But... Somebody asked, well, why don't they have an Al-Anon speaker? And there was an AA guy, and he said, man, if they had an Al-Anon speaker, I think we'd have to go out and drink. (laughs) Can you believe it? Yes, I can believe it. Uh, But I think of Iowa and how blessed we are. Of the fellowship and the friendship, and really the spirit of cooperation here is great. So... I want to share my story, and I hope my husband said, you're going to share your story. Come on. Stay and they'll, they'll, they'll be falling asleep, they'll get up and take their coffee, and they'll just leave the room. And I'm going to take a lie. You're supposed to be my biggest fan, um, but I thought, you know, if you have heard it before, that's great because you're still here, and I'm, I'm happy that you're here. And if you haven't heard it before, I'm glad you're here because you're here now. And so it doesn't matter if you've heard me before because my friend in Texas used to say everything I say is true or could be. I like that. Uh, everything I say is true as I perceive it to be. And one of my sponsor not too long ago sent me email after I'd come back from a trip. And she said, and I wrote it down. I thought it was so cool. I saved her little note. She said, I've sure missed you and thought of you often. Please know that you have touched my life in a profound way. I will be forever different because of your gentle guidance, keen insight, and healing laughter. And I thought, what a compliment. And then you know what I thought of? I thought of you. That's exactly what I gave You coming home to Iowa. Because I think of you often, I have bookmarks, I have people popping up on the email, I have uh, my spiritual book that I got in Salt Lake, and many of you signed it when my dad died. Uh, I have all these little reminders, and uh, I have my little corn pin that I received, and I keep on my scalp. And I'm not sure that people know how important our connections in this fellowship are. But, but they're tremendous. And so when I read that, I was thinking she was talking about me. And I thought, how foolish, because that's exactly what you gave to me, that healing laughter and that keen insight and that gentle guidance. And Mary Jo is right. You watched me grow, and I had a long way to go. Um, when I first came to this fellowship, I guess when I came back, desperation is always a prerequisite to action. I was desperate, and I felt pain. Um, I wasn't combing my hair in the back, and I've mentioned that, I don't know, i mentioned it once at home, and now people always check the back of my hair. You see if it's combed, they thought that was quite cute. You know, you think he you say these profound so philosophical things, people do not remember that. They remember things about your hair, or the stupid things that you've done. Um, I didn't comb my hair in the back. I wore basically uh, a navy skirt, and I had a gray one and a brown one. I uh, didn't really have any friends. I complained to both my neighbors. When I wanted to make a scene, I got on our John Deere riding one more, and I rode just crazy around the yard, throwing weeds and dust and dirt all over. And uh, I don't exactly know what I was trying to do. I was making a statement, I guess.
1: (laughs) And my husband would come out and say, don't
0: move along, the neighbors will think I'm not doing anything. I went, that's the they idiot. <laughs> and uh, he would say, don't blame me. I said, I can raise my voice if I want to. This is my a Um, That was very sweet.
1: <laughs> when I
0: went to work, I kept this part in my desk because I would call on for messages to see who was calling him. Yes. And then I kept these instances of these strange conversations. Uh, People saw me, they went the other way. I did phony uh, telephone surveys. I called numbers that I was suspicious of that I found on Action, Or on book. I developed a talent of reading upside down from a great distance. And... That still comes in handy because I can see what you're doing at your desk and I never let on but I can read and now that I have bifocals it even works better.
1: <laughs>
0: I've been around here so long that the other day I thought I had a cataract and later as the sun went down I discovered it was just taco sauce on my <laughs> door. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm my I'm bifocals now I'm getting a cataract I'll have to go back and stand having surgery. I just you know, sometimes the answer is pretty simple.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: my three favorite words at home were not, I love you, but they were, you're the one. With the finger. I got in that finger. I know I did it a lot. And by the time I got back to al I was afraid that I would do something I would regret but I was also afraid that my mother would not like it. I didn't know how I could kill my husband and have my parents find out. Uh, it made anything's so disappointing. Uh,
1: my husband
0: was keeping a gun in the nightstand, in the bottom drawer, and uh, I used to go to bed at night with him because he drank outside the house pretty much and come home and then uh, he was tired, he would dip up his meal, throw off his slacks, jump into bed in his boxers, and watch TV. And so I would do that as well. And for a time I thought I had back trouble. And then I realized, you know, after I came to Al-Anon, that I had been staying in bed about 14 hours a night. And most people, you know, their back would probably suffer from being flat like that. But I would lie there, in the be the shivering, and he would be snoring and I would think, you know, I ought to get that pistol out of the gun just brighten this place up a little. <laughs> but I never put any shelter in Josh. You were much braver than I was, I'll tell you, because it scared me that I was thinking about, i just going to make him listen to me. And then i say, oh my goodness. What would my parents think? <laughs>
1: Well, I went back. And,
0: you know, I hear people say that al does not give them answers, and that annoys them, because they want the answers, and they want it immediately, because things are bad at home. And I think the answers are in al I was thinking about this when I came out. The literature for me is probably one of our very finest tools, because... The little pamphlet on detachment, I think of that as sort of the L Bill of Rights. It says you do not have to suffer, you do not have to clean up, you do not have to cover up. And I remember those things that was so new to me that I didn't have to do those things. And if I did them, I was helping alcoholism continue in our home. I also liked three other ones. There was uh, a guide for the family of the alcoholic. Alcoholism is a Family Disease, and Alcoholism of merry go round Denial. I think those are terrific pamphlets. And in all of those, there are, in uh, the Guide to the Family, there are 19 questions people often have. They were questions I had. But they really irritated me because one of the questions I had was, how do you keep your husband away from his drinking companion? And you know what it says? Don't try. <laughs> I had tried, believe me, those lowlifes that came to our house and drank beer in the garage, and they would try to sneak around the north window so I wouldn't look out and see them. I mean, did I have words for them? You know, I stood up there and looked down upon the plate of beer right in. Look at those swabs in there, drinking old-style before noon. How could they? And then they wound themselves on the machines in there and strap themselves up with duct tape and turn off the TV. And you know I watched them. Pray for me, believe me. But the literature said, "Don't try to keep him away from the companions and learn the facts." That's the first thing it said to me was learn the facts. And I had to learn about alcoholism and what it did to the family. Why my husband drank? It wasn't against me, and that I should be nice to him. That's the message that I picked up. Now that was really sad. <laughs> be nice to him. He takes all the money. He's never around. Be nice to him.
1: <laughs> I found him.
0: I tried to find him. One night I was running around down with a flat tire, and some of my friends pulled me over. Driving while well obsessed, I guess. They <laughs> do you know you're a black tire? No. <laughs> really? So you did to do a lesson. My god, let me change that tire. I pulled over by the gas station by the West Side Lounge. That was one of them. And my friends changed my tire and sent me home. Um, I was pretty pathetic. But I learned about alcoholism. And I actually learned that I had to stop reacting with sarcasm, with judgment, and stopping right. Now I was sure I was right. Sometimes I still am. So that was hard. But the literature says you have to learn to act in a totally different way. And if you do that, Perhaps your family will have a chance to recover from this disease called alcoholism. And it's described in our pamphlet as a tragic play in three acts. And if I look at that play, and I look at myself, and I was thinking about it when I came here, we were really textbook alcoholism. Now, I thought I was really unique, and everybody at me really irritated me because their lives looked pretty happy. I remember somebody showing vacation pictures at our Thursday night keynoters meeting. And I was so intense that they would come and bring vacation pictures and show them that they were having fun before the meeting. How could they talk so lighthearted when I've got problems to solve and things to do, you know? Just irritating me. Well, I have vacation pictures today.
1: <laughs>
0: I didn't bring any though, but I have them. Um I had to mind my own business. I had to stop spying on my husband and going his room and all that stuff. And I think as time went on, I found, they talk about the three C's in Al-Anon, you can't cause, cure, and control. I found three other keys. I found comrades, people like me trudging that road, coming in and they didn't know what to do. And we didn't have any answers. But we could be supportive of each other and talk to each other. I found a bit of courage. That was my first meeting topic that I ever shared, and I had gone to eat with my friends, and I got a fortune cookie It said, courage is something you need more of. Well, I knew I needed courage, and so I used that as the topic of my first meeting, and gradually participating, I began to get a little confidence that, that you were right. I wasn't right. I was dealing with exactly what you said I was dealing with, and I was so afraid. I was afraid to go home. I was afraid to stay home. I was really afraid of fire. We had a stove down in the basement. And my husband would get up wood in the fall, how people do, but if you get up late, the wood is still green and it'll smoke and it's not safe. And uh, so when I left home, I would put a rug in front of the door so that my cats in the laundry room where they slept, they wouldn't get asphyxiated by the smoke if if the house should burn down while I was gone. I also tried another trick. If I were gone, uh, they would never get let in and out. So I started, I picked a screen off under the desk, and then I propped the window open so my cats could go in and out at their leisure. <laughs> and uh, Ernie, my cat, he was a great hunter. He brought in a whole rabbit. And he dragged it upstairs, and he was ripping it apart. Uh, the morning that my husband woke up and was real hungover, and he woke up and looked at it. There's this man bloody ducks and stuff on the floor of the bedroom. Well, I thought it was terrific. It was a little... <laughs> <laughs> Must have <been> the cat. Shortly <laughs> uh, after that, there were three inches and twelve screws on that window. I went down there. I thought, I don't think we're going to say anything about this. So the window was forever closed. And uh, I stopped leaving the window open for the cat. Um... The literature also right that changed attitudes can aid recovery, and things get worse before they get better, and things got worse. It also says in our literature that someone who is trying to change things in the home will often be met with disapproval,
1: <laughs> and it says threats,
0: and then it says violence. And I don't have to go to violence, and I'm very grateful for that. I guess I would say it felt like emotional violence when I'm ignored or somebody's not talking to me. Um, but there were threats. And there was a time when I was going up to Waterloo. And I was told that if I did go there, that when I came home, my things would be on the deck. And it, I only have one house. I don't have a condo in Colorado, you know. If I did, yeah. I would say, hey, baby, that's fine. No, I wouldn't have a condo. That's a lie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: um, I decided to go. And what I decided, and that was a good point for me, because what I realized was that I talked a lot about the alcoholic, and I think our tradition of principles about personalities is great. If in Mayer don't like the on, it makes sense, because a lot of times we talk about you, and we tell how crappy you are to us, and how mean you are to us, so and you don't listen, and, you know, who likes that? I don't like that. Who would? And I just said, you're talking about me, and that's not right. And I thought about it, and he's right, I was. And the decision that I made that day was that I was going to talk about me. I was going to cut out everything I said about him. I was going to trust my higher power and see if my clothes were on the desk. That simple. And I went there, and some of you have heard this before. It was a great time, and I was so pleased that you had invited me, and I didn't know many people, and you said, have your breakfast in the room and, you know, put it on the room tab. Man, I felt like Marilyn Monroe up there. You know, you're treating me just fine. And I put my tray out in the hallway because it said, put your tray in the hallway and you're finished. And I do the right thing you most. Uh I put my tray out, my knee out, but I had only my underwear on at the time. And I wanted to get it out far enough so that whoever came by with kids, I had my necklace on, along with my underwear, and the door closed behind me. So
1: it's a
0: moment of opportunity, as you have taught me, not to share. Uh, Fortunately, I had to remember the Alexine's room number only because we had talked about it was the gym. And so I stampered one way and it was the wrong way. And I scampered the other way and rapped on her door and nobody wanted to see me in my underwear, you know, in front of that little hole. So I stood to the side and then nobody answered the door so I had to stand in front of the thing and go, hey, you up again. And she let me in and I got my clothes, but... After that, I was laughing about this incident, so I kind of forgot about the clothes on the deck, and so it didn't matter, you know, and I thought, oh, at least I had clothes. I was pretty faithful. So, I did to begin to see things in a different way, and I began to have a little more compassion, and I stopped talking about the low lights in the garage, and I wasn't saying mean things about them. Uh... And I really had to compact things because a lot of time has gone on and eventually my husband did seek help, and I thought, I was going to be really different. And, uh, after he came back from the hospital, he didn't drink for just three weeks. And then that night we were at a restaurant and, and he ordered a drink. And, well, my friends in AA are right, It's not the last drink that killed you. <laughs> it's the first. And, uh, I saw it, but the good news was that you had taught me to keep my mouth shut, say my prayers, my mental business, work the stuff, go to meetings, and don't expect everything to be solved all at once. And so that's what I did. And I had that hope that you had given me that maybe it's just for today. You know, maybe it will change. And uh, it it didn't change. But still, I could tell that... uh, I was different, and I remember one Saturday morning specifically, I always hated it because he would go off and drink with his friends in the morning, and I would stay home. And I had planned some trees, and I had ordered some more, and I thought, okay, I'm going to plant these trees, you know, I've got to be about my business, so I'm, I'm investing in an orchard out here, for a fact, you know, just four acres, there's nothing left to be planted. And uh, I'm out there trying to dig holes, and he and his friend came home, and... Uh, they volunteered to help me. And they were so drunk. You know, I am on a day in my hole. But, you have taught me. And I said, thank you. That'd be great. And so they were so proud that day. They dug holes like all over the yard. <laughs> so like this. And oh, it just, it just, oh, it irritated me. You know, I was just in these straight roads with cherry trees. But, I thank them for their help and they were proud. And we were together on this one, and that was a good thing. And uh, you know, after a couple of years, it didn't matter at all because when I went out and I pruned my cherries, I just really pruned them a lot on one side, so it grows. It's rose. great. <laughs> so we are way wide on the north side. The other side, they're just about a foot. But you know, they look great. So. I was beginning to adjust and, uh, more my home. However, I get better and I guess things didn't get better. And you know, that's a hard thing because people say there's no promise that you're going to necessarily have somebody get sober in your house. And, uh, that's true. And that's also hard. I think that i learned that recovery is a risk. You don't know what will happen to the other person if you choose to get better. And I think the hard thing for me is having the courage to continue to get better. Because after a while, once you get here, and there's a lot of laughter and a lot of fun, who wants to leave? I'm not leaving. I'm here for the fun and the fellowship and the health. And then what? And you're really stuck, you know. It kind of comes to a moral dilemma. And uh, I had gone to to Oregon to talk and uh, share my story. And this was May of 1992. And when I came home, I found that all my things had been moved into another bedroom. My own book was there and still my mementos and... I didn't really know what to do, and you taught me the best thing to do is nothing. Just check it out and see. And uh, so I slept in that back room that night, and I wondered where the cat would go. When the cat came with me, I want you to know. The cat was even confused. Um, I stayed there for a couple weeks, and I had to ask myself, you know, I've learned to be compassionate. I've learned to be understanding. And things have changed in our house. Because there was one time when I had simply given up hope that anything would be different. And I used to always leave the light on for my husband at the bottom of the driveway. And I called it the love light. And I used to look and see if it would be on for me. And it never was. And that's also reversed, because I was the one initially who would turn off the lights, lock the door, and shut down for the night. And then I would wait for him to come home. I didn't rearrange the furniture, but I did turn out the lights. And, you know, I used to come up over the hill and look for that love light. It was never on. And you know how finally you just give up? You just quit looking. And then one night, I think after, I just quit looking. I came up over that hill. And the love light was on for me. And I knew that he knew where I was. I was in now on my knees. And I knew that he had left it on for me. And that light was always on for me. And if the lamp was out, he would tell me that the bulb was out. And I knew that I was way of saying, It's okay, I'm maybe not behaving the way you want me to behave. I know I'm still drinking. But there was an element of respect that came into our household, and for me, that was a big, big deal. But when I found the things in that back room, I thought, you know, I don't know if the higher power wants me to sleep on this baggy single bed for the rest of my life, and I don't really know what the higher power has in mind. But this was almost six years after he had returned to drinking. And I know there was a lady that our in She said, you don't have to keep coming back. You for no nine years before you got it." I'm going, no, I'm not saying what I thought. Um, I'm not waiting nine years. That's what I thought. well, I'm waiting six. And you know, the truth was, I just said, okay, if I get financially independent, then I'm moving out. Well, I was financially independent. And I wasn't moving out. She had to go it. And then it was, hey, well, I wait for the pets to die. Yeah! You know, the few was we had one dog, three cats, and many are the odds of them going out all at the same time within a few weeks. It's not that place. That's because we're getting pretty old. But Sally was very young. Now was our black lab dog. You know, so I'm speaking of all these things in the world. But I kind of stopped coming. And uh, a woman said to me, you know, there will come a time in your life when it won't matter what you have, what you own, your cherry trees, what's important. You will be your friend and your peace of and I did make a phone call, and it's very odd how the higher power works, because I looked at this whole page, I made one phone call, and the lady who answered about your partner was a woman on like UNAA. And she said, you mean, Is that you? And I went, sorry? And she said, "Oh, i wonder you are moving out, you know, it's just me irritating to say, UNAA can honestly see it as it really you know. I said, Johnny, why can to you say that? And she said, yeah, I've got a place. It's a duplex, and you could get a six-month contract. And, you know, I went over there, I looked down, and I said, oh, the carpet's on, it smells like smoke. I'm not moving in. You know, I was a real positive thinker,
1: Like,
0: I <laughs> said, <laughs> <laughs> i got home and thinking, to take a nap. And I woke up, and I started thinking, she said, they changed the carpet. And to tell you the truth, my online friends moved me. I was so exhausted and tired, and I just, you know, everything was too much. So I was overwhelmed. Somebody came down my clothes and plants and a couple of my friends who are really hardcore al They went back to the house to see if there were more things I should be taking. You know, my kids and you don't know, leave those over here. Oh, you didn't you? You taking that? Who's taking that, you know? No, you could step out of the China house and grab and take it. You know, God, I'm grateful. I actually would have left everything I just wanted to see things, and I to have out of there, you know, I was so sweet. And when I moved into my apartment, I'm like, oh, God, I'm glad to see that. That's great. Why did you do that? I was finding in some of my treasures for a long time. So it's thanks to my own husband. We went down that dirt road. And we looked like the oakies, you know, the trunk was open and tied with ropes, And uh, we were quite a sight. So I got moved out. And I moved into this apartment and I thought, you know, Hi, Paul. I have no idea what you have in store for me, but I am willing. And so I lived by myself in my deal work, my meetings. Got involved, I sponsored an Alateen group, and we started that through my school, and the Alateens were so great. You know, some days I would be so sad. And they would make wishes for me. And they wanted nothing but the best for me. And they would tell me that, you know, I'm going, is this quite a deal? we'd meet over at Mercy, and we were all kind of light-haired, so we called ourselves the Blondes. And then one day a dark-haired guy, sure, and you
1: know.
0: <laughs> welcome. welcome to the Blondes and group, and it didn't fit, you know? So we said, welcome to the Blondes and Brunette alatine group, and we are going never miss a beat, you know? And that was a great group. I got involved in uh, institutions and uh, just doing my thing. Uh, in August of that year, ninety-two, our friend Mary Kay. A lot of you know her. Um, Teresa said she was passionate about everything. That's true. She was a fine example, and uh, she had um, gotten cancer, and she was really not well. And she wanted to go to California or do something. She wanted a trip. And I said, you know, that is something we can do. And I don't know how it happened yet, but I called and I got two tickets for $144 round trip from Cedar Rapids to California. I mean, it's on her
1: And
0: we went on that trip that summer, and it was just a, a terrific deal. We had a send-off from my home group, the keen owners, and and uh, she just loved the beach. And so we walked around the beach, and... We took the my brother in law's truck into San Francisco and uh, we stopped at the cherry stand along the road and we bought a stack of cherries and Mary Kay was having to wear a wig because the chemo if she rolled down the window and we were just eating cherries and just spitting the pits out the window. Out the and, pop. and uh you know, This is all getting then this and the wig was turning out know, like this <laughs> And we had it for every time. Oh, uh, well, I don't know, four days into that trip, she looked at me and she said, e- do you ever wonder why we live in Iowa? <laughs> she was so dead with the landscape and the, the beach and, uh, I'm sure some of you have been here a while, probably you knew her parents who died, several were members of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and Mary Kay, uh, died in November of, of 93 and, we were reminiscing last night that today was her birthday and, uh, he was one of those special comrades, you know, that, that made our home group um, really important. But that was the kind of stuff I did. I thought, okay, I could go with Mary Jane on a trip. I don't know what else will happen, but I can do that. And also that, that fall, um, my sponsor's mother died, and her brother came to town. And uh, that was a very sad time as well. There was a lot of sadness going on. And I stayed at the hospital with her. Because she asked me to, and I think that's what you do when a sponsor is help you and when a sponsor asks for something. If I can give back, I will, and I stayed there with her. And her brother came and he asked me what I was doing at the hospital and what relationship I had with his sister. Well, he didn't know anything about anything. Uh, A.A., I'm what an idiot, you know, I'm thinking. But I told him a little bit who we were because we were a whole room full of people supporting each other. And uh, later he called my apartment and asked if I'd like to go out to dinner. And I told him no. Something I said no. In fact, I said no. I'm going out with a friend, and it was Stella. We planned to go to eat, and we were going to the meeting. And there was this silence. And then I felt bad, and I said but uh, maybe I could go tomorrow night. And then Peggy got on the phone, and she said, that would be really nice, honey. He said, he's just overwhelmed by all these programs people, and I don't know what to do with him. Uh, She said, you'd really be doing me a favor if you took him off my hands.
1: And I thought,
0: well, he doesn't have a car, he flew here, I'll do her a favor. So I took him to the Amalgamated, and I picked him up. You know, I was in control, that was a good thing. And uh, he asked me about the program. And uh, that night, I walked him through all 12 steps. <laughs> and at the beginning of our dinner, I remember he had ordered a beer. And about four ticks, he stopped even touching it. <laughs> I had been watching the beer. I had my eye on it. I was looking at it. And uh, he never finished it. I, I was so crazy. But he said to me, his wife had died and he was looking uh, for a wife. But I said, well, I'm not even divorced. You know, I just went on with my life. And I'm not looking for a husband. Frankly, I've had enough. And, uh... <laughs> oh, he said, well... He called another time and asked me out for breakfast. And I just listened to the answering machine, and I let it go. I was kind of confused. And he knew me he me, hey, close one door before you open another. And uh, I called the person who is my attorney, who happens to actually be in this room, who is in the fellowship. And I said, you know, I think you better dust those papers off one more time. I mean, he knew me. We were friends. Oh, Jesus, you again. Are you reactivating this file, you know? found it. i off, and I go. It's the real thing this time. I think you know you didn't do this because I need to get on with my life. I've heard nothing from the alcoholic, and and I, I'm I'm living. And so it was a simple process, and he went with me, and and it wasn't hard, and. Uh, I, I got a divorce for Christmas, is right one in the mommies is, there. Isn't that pathetic? Um, I didn't even want one, you know. It's kind of a gift you give. Nothing else to do. <laughs>
1: I drove home to my parents. It was
0: December 23rd, and I drove home, and I was so tired. And my dad was in a wheelchair, and I actually sat in my dad's wheelchair and wheeled myself across the living room, and said, I it's to great Christmas, and then you can't walk. I don't have a husband, and you know the three of us we and my mommy cooked some good home cooking, and I guess I ate too much. I went in the bathroom, and I don't know, I guess, I don't know what happened. But anyway, I fainted and fell off the toilet and got wet just between the toilet and the wall. I mean, it's like it a drug story. And uh, I said, you you, you do like I said, no, I'm not okay. And uh, she had to call a neighboring nurse to come over in. and they couldn't find my blood pressure. I knew I had some. I just didn't know where <laughs> it was. And, uh, you know, I survived. But after this, i invitation and I, I was divorced. And uh, I thought I'd been kind of rude to this man who caught me in March and was very nice. And I couldn't help but he was looking for a wife. I didn't have to be rude to him. I mean, you've taught me that. And so I called my sponsor, and I asked her for his address and said, Would you give it to me? I really need to write him a note of thanks and apologize for my behavior. And so I sent him a note, and I said, Thanks. It was nice to meet you, and Peggy has a nicer brother. And she really said she did. She might tell me he was really cheap. <laughs> I knew everything about him because he was my sponsor. It was so good. It was so good. He asked me if I'd ever come to Texas. And I said, no, I had no reason to come to Texas. And I just told you I lived there three years.
1: Uh,
0: actually, I, I went down there to visit him. And uh, I had my apartment. And I thought about coming back. I was going to come back. And uh, then Bobby, you know, my AA landlady. I mean, you just can't win. Everybody is doing stuff in the higher power's name. And he called me. she said, you know, Judy, I don't think you're coming back. I said, really, why did you know that? I said, well, you were right before when I was moving out. But he said, well, I didn't have that feeling. And he said, somebody wants to have your apartment. And so, if you'd like to get out of the lease, that's fine with me. So what would you think about this? He answered yes. I'm not coming back. So I took a leave from my job, and I stayed in Texas. And I was so grateful to get to my first on meeting there because... I didn't know anything about Texans there different her breed, as y'all know. And uh, even the best friend that I had while I was there referred to me as her Yankee friend. <laughs> but in Nun they welcomed me, and it was, I remember that. It was so terrific to be there. And Elamon was Elman. There was a woman there that I met, and uh, she always used to park so far away. And I liked Bobby, and we would talk, and when we would go out to the community center, I'd say, where's your car? She'd go over there. Over where? Oh, I did mean, not see, and I'm not seeing it. i she goes, well, well, over there by, you know, the street, right? So i said, say, how's your park where we there? Because there are spaces here. She's supposed Just cry. She's got a breath of I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. My son never seen one. Let's go try it out. I'll bring my calendar. <laughs> and she's kind of crying and kind of, kind of laughing, you know. She not too funny. But I never had. I mean, I didn't know they had those things. You have to go over there and she'd lean down, you know, and blow in it and then see if it is activated. And I said, this is pretty cool. Um, so that was kind of the start of our friendship. Although, I think I'm lucky that she kept me as a friend after that. But uh, one night she said to me at the meeting, I said, how you doing, Bobby? And she said, oh, no, not so good. And I said, yeah, I understand. And She said, well, there is something that's helping me, though. She said, I copied this page out of the book, uh, Making Crisis Work for You and All Our Affairs. She said, I copied that out, and I've been carrying it in my purse. And she said, I read that
1: a lot during the day that helps me so, so let me look at it I mean I love our literature I,
0: so let me see and I, I at that page and it was a submission that I had sent in and in that page was what I had written and it was in the book and I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking it's just amazing I mean I think of all the books that we have and all the pages it was this one small page and I just got the group pump. I thought, we are just to be good friends. And I said, I wrote that sharing. And well, it was a good thing because she asked me to be a sponsor. I didn't know people. I was home. I hurt my knees. And you know, I was having a hard time starting over because people looked at me like I was a newcomer in al and I was used to you, and you loved me, and I was a part of. And it was kind of bleak there. It's hard to start over. And then it's hard to have a good life. You know, I couldn't spend money very freely. I was still afraid of having fun. You know, I can see pictures of me. I didn't know how to really dress up and, and look like I was having a good time. I'd look shy. And I got a new suit, and oh, my God, I was so bright. And I had to comb my hair all the way around. And you know, I had to go out. And I had to do that for a whole night. You know, I was just used to go into meetings and eat a little ice cream and happy chefs and... Oh dear. I mean, life, well it was just like I was 16 and starting over. And it was terrific, because Bobby would call me, and uh, I have knee surgery, and I'm bummed out, and her life wasn't this, so, you know, it's like we're a duo. And I left Texas, but I still, every Monday, I send her an email, and it's always titled Monday Hugs,
1: and, and we
0: communicate every week, and we talk, and she has since divorced, and I think, you know, I didn't want to get that divorce. But part of my experience has helped some of my friends who've had to start over. And she'll write, you know, she says, Did you say there was trouble with the pictures hanging off What was it? You were telling me about the pictures of the dead wife on the wall. <laughs> I go, oh dear, did I say that? You know, And I'll say, yeah, that was. I know I used to just, I let it hang. That's what I did. You know? And so we share some of those little experiences. And it's very significant, I think would be worth anything. But it seems to be worth something to somebody else. And I was afraid to even tell her I was leaving Texas, um, but my husband had said to me that he wanted to go to Reno. And I said, you know, buy me a new washing machine and the cat, and I'll come. I didn't feel like very much. I just wanted a washing machine that had a gentle cycle on it. I thought that would be great. And... Uh,
1: we did go to Reno, and the
0: husband I'm speaking of is my father's brother. And I have to tell you, that guy is really amazing to me because he often says things to me. I just want like you to be happy. Isn't that amazing? Really? what it work for you. <laughs> he is so fun. Uh, we've had a great. It's been seven years. And uh, we just had a lot of laughs. In fact, there was a guy coming to the house to do something a couple weeks ago, and he said, you look like you really enjoy life. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, you're laughing a lot. And I went, yeah, I've learned to laugh in here a lot. But I thought, he's been in the house 15 minutes, and he picked that up. And now I go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I stopped laughing. Not that funny, I'm kind of serious myself. I go, well, I'll cut it out then, you know. <laughs> Definitely do your
1: work. Um, so my
0: husband has been crazy. He's not in AA, he's not in l and I thought that might be a problem. I always thought if I ever married, I really wanted to have somebody who was in the program so that I could share it, but it's been okay because I learned that this program is for me. And uh, he has embraced my friends, um, Although the other day I told somebody, I said I thought maybe I'd been going too much film because he said, "Would you be my sponsor?" <laughs> I said you'd have to get in the program first. Which one are you gonna pick? You lightweight, you can't even drink beer, you know. I said I don't think you need to go to Alumon. So he goes, "Okay." He uh, said he's terrific. If somebody, if I have to drive, I drive a Toyota and it's kind of noisy. I get tired of driving. It's like a truck. So he'll say to me, you know, if you want to take the car, and, <laughs> and i he the one said, uh, I know you're going to meeting. You can take my car if you like. He said, Well, let's see, this is bad neighborhood, night. <laughs> <it>.
1: Because <laughs> some the
0: meetings are in neighborhoods nicer than others, you know. I say, Okay, can I take your car or not? You know that I laugh at him because uh, he's open-minded about me going to meetings, and for that, I think that's a blessing. I am grateful. Uh, no threats, no disapproval. I know when I first was in Texas, though, I didn't come home right away after a meeting. He said, who am I going to call if you don't come home? Do I just call the cops? And I said, no, no, you can wait till about midnight. I'm in the belt. So I'll call you if I'm going to be out after 10 and let you know. And so that was it. Uh, he doesn't worry about calling anymore. Um, when we and I were married, it was funny. In Texas, we had to do this little form that documented that we were getting married in Iowa and we got married here so that some of, some of you could be there. And uh, there was this woman from public relations who came in and she had this sign of form. And she came breathing in and my husband worked in this big building office downtown Houston and she said to me, tell me the sort of details of your past. Because she had to document, you know, my authenticity we were being married. Well, I've been around Houston, I'm fond of. I go, oh, I'm married right Then we use an alcoholist. <laughs> I feel like she was just a figure of speech, you know. Yes, you didn't want to hear my experience, strength, and hope. i sorry, she has never forgotten me. Yeah, well, that wasn't. Everywhere we go, goes hello. They yeah, are still married. <laughs> I also went to a four-step workshop there, and I really felt I needed to just go and have a weekend. And it was pretty funny because I waited my turn, and I went in to see a priest, and I had my list, and I was ready. And this man said, yeah, "Tell me, you know." So I started, and I was painting of quiet. As it turned out. He was practically deaf. <laughs> and there was a waiting line of other people. There was kind of a, a row of folks outside the door. So I'm going, YES
1: and I WAS ON Facebook.
0: <laughs> well, I'm going through all my defects loudly and he's going, you." I'm going, God, you have such a sense of humor. <laughs> So when I went out to the door, God, it was just hot. I was so hot. And I said, Did you guys hear? He said, Yeah, we heard it all. No, I was just smiling. So I felt like I really did a
1: thorough. so
0: They all knew. That's why I love Texas. It's not true. I want to tell you just a little bit about being in Reno. When I got there, uh, it was great because I could get back in service. You is more like Iowa in Nevada. Although they only have an assembly once a year. And it's held out in the sticks. It is out of nowhere. It's in Tonopah. It's in the middle of Nevada between Las Vegas and Reno. And you drive about four hours each way, and then you hope your cars meet there. And uh, it's just an old run-down town, an old mining town, and uh, it's terrific. I mean, there are no distractions. There's nowhere to go. There's no Taco Bell. There's nothing. And uh, the first time I was there last year, I'm walking down the street looking around talking, and you're taking your life in your hands because the sidewalks can vary that much at any given point. There's an old bar there that Jack Dempsey used to be a bartender. And we went in and we looked at the bar where Jack Dempsey Dempsey's the bar. And we stayed at the Best Western Inn, which is the only choice. And uh, the manager there is Howard Peed. I think that's pretty funny. Yes?
1: <laughs> Not What? <me.
0: laughs> oh, uh, we just saw his card on the desk there. I'm going, did he? <laughs> what was that? So we all remember Howard Peed, and uh, we look forward to going back each year and see if he's still doing it. Uh, it's a great assembly. Um, it's so a little smaller, even though AA thinks they'd have to drink if, you know, we had to have non-speaker, uh, but it's nice. Um, when I first got there, I volunteered to be offered at GR because the GR kept forgetting to go to meetings, and I said, well, I'll go. He said, i was eager to get back in the district, and uh, since that time, I, I'm the GR, and my group is Thursday night Love and Laughter, and we started at about 8 to 10 people, and a week ago we had 30 at our meeting. Um, isn't that great? I have to tell you, sometimes we need to check my motives, because when we moved to Korea, there there is a nice new church being built, just on the road where we live, and I, you know the first thing I thought? Not, aha, that's a church for me. I thought, aha, perfect a place for us, meetings. Because they don't have a chapel yet, it, and it's new, and they won't have people filling up the time. So my husband had suggested we go there, and I said, Oh my god, there they were low so those Methodists. You know, I'm not so chival. And well, uh, yeah, as it turns out, we went there. The pastor is a recovering alcoholic, and he's a terrific guy. And uh, we went there a few times, and then we thought our meeting at Chemo was going to close because the place was looking really bad. And so I went to John and I said, Do you think you know we can... Maybe we have a meeting here, and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we moved there in March, and uh, we started this tradition of having. I love people tell their birthday stories at the end. The last Thursday, uh, our home group we do. The first Thursday is open discussion. Second is literature, which means we do a pamphlet. Third is step in tradition. Fourth is book study and If we have a fifth, we have birthdays. So we have a variety, and. Uh, we have our online members share their birthday, and then we have cake. And we've got a little book. And uh, it's been a great tradition that we started, because uh, last month there was somebody who, right behind her name and her birthday year, put in parentheses, "Carrot cake, please. <laughs> I'm the baker. I'm like Marietta. I, I take orders. But, you know, it's been really fun because I call people on their birthday, and I go, now, what kind of cake would you like? Would it be chocolate or, you know, what do you want? People say, you know, my mom used to make me a chocolate cake and she put peanut butter in the frosting and, and so i have come up. And, and now we've got so many people who are spreading the baking news and we have to have two or three cakes and we are really growing. And it's terrific. So, I'm GR. I am district secretary because no one volunteered for this spot and I'm sitting there thinking if anybody ever finds out what I do and that I could spell and write fairly decently I would be ashamed that I would volunteer to be secretary so I said I think I can do it and I'm district secretary and our district is not as loving and cooperative as this district and I try to share my experience from Iowa. And people say, oh, I'm not going to that district because they just fight and they're mean to each other. And I say we have to fight it for me and pride, fill with kindness and keep going back. And uh, I think it's getting better. So at least I feel that it's better. Uh, we've been able to actually have uh, one unity night. We had a speaker. I suggested a workshop and it turned into something totally different, but I thought at least people were doing it. So... We'll do it. you know, I'll get one a lot later. I know that. <laughs> I just keep having that. Um, I also in that area, I may had asked for people to put in websites for institutions, and of course, I won. And you know why? Because nobody else put in.
1: <laughs>
0: but I like doing that, and I think it's something that I can give back, and uh, it's pretty simple to do. So, I like participating in Eleanor because it keeps me laughing, it keeps me happy, and I think it keeps me whole. Um, service is essential, I think, for recovery and so study the steps. And those 12 steps, people are wanting to work the steps. When I first got to Rio, I did not have anyone really to talk to very much. And so in my time when I was sort of feeling sorry for myself, I wrote a 12-step guide for myself that I thought would work so I could work this steps. And then one of my friends wanted it, so we shared it. And what has happened has been really good because I meet with people every week that I sponsor. I have a Taco Bell appointment on Thursday before the meeting. I have a Starbucks Saturday. I have shrimp cake Wednesday. We plan out to get food. And we have a plan. And we discuss, In I actually feel like we're working the steps. We're talking about it, we're discussing it, and then when we feel we've gone through it, we share anecdotes, and we write down as proof that we feel that this is an example of how this step has worked for us. And I really feel like I have grown so much. I've understood better than ever before what those 12 steps mean. But what it means is I have to change. And it means I have to be responsible for my own happiness. Just last week, Thomas and I had our seventh anniversary. And we drove up. We live in the foothills in Reno. And Lake Powell was just 20 minutes away. And we drove up there for dinner. And I said to him that I wanted to pick a couple... Leaves. A friend of mine had said, if you go out there, I'd love to have a leaf, and I know I won't get any of those acid leaves. And she said, bring me a leaf. Well, I mentioned that when we were driving up. So when we came down the hill, it was dark. And the road is very windy because it's up to an elevation of almost, I think mean, it's about 9,800 feet. They're doing construction on this road, it's dangerous. And a week ago, you know, there were storage of bears out in the woods that they, you know, had to relocate. And my husband said, oh, you wanted to get the leaves. I said, "I oh, forget it. It's dark. About two minutes later, he pulled over on a curve. And he said, I'll shine the light for you. You get out and get your leaves. But, I felt a little pressure. <laughs> so I gingerly got out and stepped over, and, you know, it was really interesting to me because in the true darkness, when the light is shining, you can only see what the light shines on. And I've always been racked by the decision, should I do this, should I not, but the light was really focused and just clean. And I looked at those golden heart-shaped axe and leaves, so and I started to pick a few. I think these are the prettiest I've ever seen. And then I heard a little stream that was trickling down the mountains, and I tried to see in the dark, but I couldn't see it. But I could hear it. And then I kind of forgot about the fact that he was shining the light, and I'm just picking the hillside, you know, I'm out there. And all of a sudden, the light disappeared because the car had moved forward. Like it's time to get in. We're going home now. <laughs> and I'm standing in complete darkness, but I could see. And I looked up, and there was the Big Dipper, and that star was pointing to the North. And it was so beautiful. And I got back in the car with my keys and driving home. You know, I thought. That's just like you. I did not have the courage. I just couldn't see my way through. And you sent me. We'll hold the light. You hugged me. And that includes AA. And you comforted me. And you said, keep coming back and giving the car and here some cookies and it'll be better tomorrow. Everything you've ever told me has come true. And you were kind of like that stream back there. You know, one day I was still standing in the dark, but I could see my own way. And you helped me pick my way. And I'm sure that I never would have done it if you hadn't said, it'll be okay. And as I look back, and I think where I am now, I never would have chosen this wonderful life for myself because I wouldn't have been able to think in such grand terms. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for your keen insight and your gentle guidance and your healing laughter. I feel like I've been restored to sanity, and if I died tomorrow, I would have had enough. It is a great spiritual adventure, and I'm so happy that you invited me back. Thanks.